You're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. The complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Parents You've Got This and proudly supported by Mastella. Mastella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mastella by Parents Side since 1950. Sleep is one of those big challenges parents face, particularly in the first year. On average, a parent loses three hours of sleep every night. Um, So that's 133 nights lost before a baby even turns one. It is very lucky that today we are joined by our amazing sleep experts from Infant Sleep Australia. We have Dr. Fallon Cook and Dr. Laura Conway here, and they are going to be sharing their amazing sleep advice with us all today to get our little ones sleeping really, really well. Both of these women hold PhDs and they come to their practice backed by research but also working really closely with families to find targeted sleep solutions that work really well for them. Thank you so much today for joining us. Thank you. We thought we'd kick off with the first question all around newborn sleep. What can parents typically expect from their newborn in regards to sleep? Oh, it's so, so varied. When they're fresh out, they need to feed a lot. You need to change them a lot. Um, We really don't expect great big long stretches of sleep from them, you know, particularly in that first um, sort of few weeks or so while they're kind of settling in. So I would say expect things to be really wildly up and down as you kind of find your feet and as your baby finds their feet as well. Do you have any tips for how parents should set up their sleep space to really foster fantastic newborn sleep? Yeah, so there can be some um, easy wins when it comes to setting up the sleep space. So think about um, having a safe um, bassinet or cot um, that follows the Australian standards. Um, Think about um, having a dark room um, where um, you can think about using blackout blinds um, or if you've got heavy curtains already, that makes a nice dark space for your baby. Um, Some parents like to use white noise or an equivalent um, and that's really good for um, muffling any environmental sounds, particularly if you've got other children Mm -hmm. um, in the house Um, and um, making sure that you're using um, a swaddle or safe um, sleeping suit that fits your baby correctly um, uh, in the first um, few Um, months. Mm. And some parents will find that their baby can just sleep anywhere. They don't care about the noise and the light. But if parents are really struggling with their baby's sleep, it's definitely worth trying to darken things down, quiet things down, um, because you might have a baby that really needs that support in order to have good sleep. And what about room temperature? Does it need to be a particular room temperature the nursery needs to be? Yeah, so we typically suggest somewhere between about 18 to 22 degrees is pretty good. Typically, babies do better in a slightly cooler room, but with more layers on. So that tends to just kind of create that nice snug feeling. Um, And they tend not to overheat if that room is a little bit cooler. So we sort of say to parents, don't waste a lot of money, you know, ramping up the the thermostat. (laughs) Because even if it is sort of around that 18 degree mark, as long as they're rugged up well, they should sleep pretty well um, and be nice and snug. And then how do we know if they're warm enough? their little cheeks or their hands can feel so cold how do we know if they're okay the best um, way to tell if your baby is um, a nice comfortable temperature is to feel at the back of their neck um, rather than relying on touching their extremities so it's quite normal for babies to have cold hands um, when they're sleeping um, but uh, that doesn't give an accurate reflection of their body temperature so touch the back of their neck and if it feels warm to the touch 
great. If it feels um, hot and clammy, then they're likely to be a bit too hot. Um, if it's cool to the touch, then it's likely to uh, they're likely to be a bit cool. And then you can adjust their um, uh, bed clothes appropriately. And are there any particular tired signs that parents need to look out for? I know when you have a newborn, it's hard to tell if they're hungry or wet or cold. Um, mm. You know, what are the tired signs parents need to look out for? Yeah, so in the, the really early days, you're going to see things like, um, you know, your, your newborn in particular might only have a few minutes where they can really kind of try to look at your face and, and take in the world and you'll know that they're getting tired um, and a little bit over it once they really start to look away. Like they just can't quite maintain that um, intense focus on your face. Um, so that's a good sign to look for in, um, in the early days where they might only sort of be happily awake for, you know, sometimes it's only minutes after they've had a feed. Um, as they get older, you'll notice things like some babies will, you know, really start to rub their eyes or kind of pull at the ears a little bit. Um, what else do we see? Sort yeah. of jerky movements? Yeah, really jerky common. movements. Um, some babies get red eyebrows. Mm. Um, that can be quite a common one. <laughs> um, and they can get a little bit more grizzly. Um, mm. gazing off into the distance, no longer able to focus um, on your face. So that you are the most engaging mm. person to your little baby and if they are unable to actually engage with you anymore and look at your face, that's a really good sign that they're ready yeah. to sleep. And don't, I always say to parents, don't notice one tired sign and then quickly rush in. Once your baby's about sort of three, four months old, you want to see a collection of tired signs. Because mm -hmm. some parents will see, you know, one little eye rub and they run for the nursery to settle <laughs> them, but it's actually too soon. And then you have trouble settling them because they're not quite tired enough. So once they're about three, four months of age, be looking for them being a bit grizzly and sort of a collection of signs. And that's usually going to mean that they'll settle down pretty quickly once they're taken into their nursery or settled off asleep. It can be one of the most beautiful things, but also one of the most frustrating when your newborn only wants to sleep on you. Um, do you have any tips for how we can encourage little babies to sleep in their cot, um, both for their own benefit, but also so mum can get up and get, get some things done? <laughs> yeah, look, we all, um, you know, us older mums who, you know, our children are a little bit older now, we'd look back and think, oh, it was so lovely when we had those contact naps. Yeah. And it can be easy to forget how exhausting it is if you can't mm. put your baby down. Um, so um, in those first few um, weeks, well, actually the first three months or so, um, how your baby goes to sleep um, is, um, it doesn't lead to any ongoing problems. So if your baby needs to fall asleep on you and you want to hold them to sleep, that's absolutely fine. Um, but in terms of having a bit of space for yourself, um, what I would be suggesting is um, when you've got your very little baby, um, what we want to do is give them more experience of going into their cot or bassinet before they're completely asleep so that they can feel, um, they can learn that this is a safe, secure space, just as safe mm. and secure as it is on top of mum or dad. Um, so um, a few times a day at their nap time, um, get them ready for sleep, swaddle them, pop them in their bassinet before they're asleep. Um, and you might just rest your hand on them or give them a few pats and see if they can calm down and go to sleep. Mm. Um, if they're really not very happy about it, then pick them up and give them a contact nap and try again next time. Yeah, I think the key thing here is practice. So if you're exhausted by contact naps, you're really wanting your baby to be able to fall asleep in their cot, it won't happen straight away. And one of the examples we actually give in Sombell, our program, 
is when your baby's first born, they don't like having their nappy changed. You know, they really don't like that feeling. It's really unusual to them. It feels strange. And they'll often cry a lot. But we don't go, well, I wonder if never going to change their nappy again. It's part of that early phase of parenting is learning that sometimes for our baby's well-being, we have to persist with something or practice something a lot and show them that they're safe and they're okay when they get their nappy changed or similarly show them that they're safe and okay if they are put down in their cot so if the first few times you try to put them down in the cot it's an absolute disaster that's totally normal you know just give it a try it doesn't work out it's all practice and it just takes that continued kind of have a practice when you feel up to it and eventually they will go oh yeah this place is actually okay it's not as scary as I thought it might be and I think parents come under this sort of uh, feeling because when they first get their baby they sleep anywhere Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you're out for a walk they'll go to sleep here at a cafe you're in the tvs on they sort of sleep wherever Um, but then they get to around three months and they stop doing that they wake up a bit more do you want to talk to parents about you know people call it the three month sleep regression but Mm. is it a regression or what's happening yeah so we don't really tend to use that word regression very Mm. much because there's such huge variability in when babies will have ups and downs in their sleep the one thing we know for sure is that they all have ups and downs in their sleep but when they do kind of is very individual Um, Look, around that three to four month mark, babies start to feel a bit freaked out if they fall asleep in one place and wake up somewhere else. It's just natural. You know, if you yourself fell asleep in your bed and you woke up at 2am on the couch, (laughs) you'd be weirded out and you wouldn't just go back to sleep. You'd get up, you'd be like, what on earth is going on? You'd want to go back to your own bed again. And that's what starts to happen with babies. So for some babies, if they fall asleep while they're being cuddled or having a feed, They'll then wake up multiple times overnight, kind of like, how did I get here? What's going on? Get back in here, mum or dad, because I need your help to get back to sleep again. So for some families, that's entirely fine. They don't mind if they're up a few times per night to do that. But for others, it becomes, you know, eight or nine wake-ups and it really compromises both parent and baby's sleep health. Um, And that's when we would typically say, yeah, it's time to practice doing a bit of settling in the cot because that's when they're likely to... Um, really take to it and then they're not getting startled when they wake up in their cot it's actually where they're expecting to be that um, leads quite well into our next question which is around routines Mm. I think um, as parents before we have a baby you know we can control things Mm. a little bit we can't control everything (laughs) but we can control some things and then all of a sudden there's this little person that just has a mind of their own you know they're doing things at different times and we are a little bit Mm. out of control Mm -hmm. at what sort of stage do you suggest to parents that it's a good idea or it can be helpful to start looking at some form of a routine yeah well in the first um, month or so when you come home really your baby's so small like Fallon has said earlier um, sometimes they're actually only awake for a really short period of time so you're um, in a you'll be in a routine of feeding them changing their nappy swaddling them (laughs) putting them back down repeat on repeat day and night Um, And initially there can be very um, little distinction between day and night because babies have small tummies and need to be fed really frequently overnight. Um, But Mm -hmm. as they grow, then they can begin to go for longer stretches overnight before they have feeds. And then we can begin to see a distinction between day and night beginning to emerge. Um, And probably from around three Mm. or four months, you can start to look at bringing in um, a routine And the really popular one that we um, often recommend is the feed, play, sleep, repeat 
routine. Mm. Yeah, it can help parents just to have that loose guide of what to follow. But of course, if your baby's showing hunger signs and they're not due for a feed, you should absolutely feed them. But I think for parents, just having a little bit of a sense of what might come next can be helpful. And it's also helpful for babies because they pick up on the patterns in our behaviour and they start to kind of realise, oh, okay, I've had my feed. I'm probably going to have a bit of playtime with mum or dad now. They kind of know what to expect. Um, and I would probably say what about sort of four months of age or so, it's a really good idea just to have, even if, if this is all you do, try to have a consistent bedtime and try to have a consistent wake-up time because mm. that really helps their circadian rhythm get into a nice groove um, and can make each day more predictable because they're sort of due for naps at similar times each day. Yeah, and what about um, sleeping through the night? I know... You know, as sleep experts, you probably... <laughs> but I think that's what parents want. You know, they want them to sleep through the night, not knowing what is normal and what's not normal. So do you want to talk a little bit about what is actually possible and what is actually normal or what happens to most parents? Yeah, so again, I know I sound like a broken record, but there's such huge variability. So there will be babies who will sleep through the night at five or six weeks and they just always sleep through the night. And we try to be kind to their parents. That's right. <laughs> we feel very frustrated if we don't have one of those babies. Um, but others really do take their time. Um, a lot of them it won't be until they're sort of six months of age or older. Um, and it depends a little bit too, because if you keep offering night feeds, they'll tend to keep waking up kind of wanting those night feeds. So yes. parents do get a little bit of a say in when it happens. And I think it's best just to be guided by what you would rather do if you're happy to feed a couple of times per night, you know, carry on with that. Um, but if they're six months of age, they're gaining weight well, and you're really keen to reduce those night feeds, then you can gradually reduce them because they can compensate by taking more calories on during the daytime. Um, and once they're no longer having night feeds, they typically then will start to, to sleep through. But I think don't put too much pressure on yourself because yes. it's a lot of parents in a bit of a race to get there and all babies are on their own time course. So yeah, it takes a bit of patience. That's right. And they're not like robots that you can program. You know, exactly. I don't think I've had a proper full night's sleep. For, you know, I've got four kids. Someone's up with the water bottle. Someone's with the bed. Someone's <laughs> yes, had a something. nightmare. Someone's yes. worried about school the next day. Yeah. So you sort of just, if you get a full night's sleep, I'm like, yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What strategies do you suggest that parents try when they're wanting to help their baby to sleep themselves? So self-settling techniques, what do you find works? The key when you're working on cot settling or bassinet settling with your baby um, is consistency. Um, so often we see parents coming into our clinic who are so committed to helping their baby get a good night's sleep that they're um, walking up a, a ladder in the night. So their baby um, is crying, they'll go in and they'll try and pat them off to sleep. And they'll do that for a couple of minutes and the baby cries a bit more. So then they pick the baby up and the baby cries a bit more. So then they're walking around the room, the baby cries more, the next minute they're bouncing on the football. Yes. Um, and um, everyone then is distraught. Um, so the baby is, um, doesn't know what's going to happen next and the parents are rapidly running out of strategies. Like mm. what are they going to do next? Um, and that's when we see um, we can see some dangerous scenarios coming in where parents will pop their babies in the car in the middle of the night or put them in the pram to yeah. walk around the block. And that's really um, not great for um, anyone's well-being. Um, so the key is to pick an approach that you feel comfortable with as a parent 
and to practice it and stay consistent. So mm. what you might do if your baby is woken up overnight is go in, pick them up and give them a lovely cuddle, tell them you love them, check that they don't need their nappy changed or they're not due a feed, um, and then pop them down in their cot. And if you had chosen, for example, gentle patting, you might pat them in a heartbeat fashion, like boom, 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 boom. And you might harm or shush at the same time. Um, and you'll do that for a period of time that feels comfortable for you. Um, and then after that, you might pick them up and give them a quick cuddle, pop them down, and off you go again. Um, and when your baby is getting used to this new approach, this one consistent approach, the key is not to then keep changing it up because then they're mm. going to go, oh, well, what, what's next? What's next? So just stay super consistent. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really a lot of parents are sort of trialing lots of different things because I think what's the magic thing that's going to work this time? Mm. And I think it's really important to keep in mind, especially as babies are kind of heading towards one year of age, they're so clever and switched on. So if they don't want to be in their cot and they notice that if I really, really ramp up my crying, all these different things happen, <laughs> then they might start to feel motivated to actually just go straight to an almighty shriek in the middle of the night, thinking maybe that's what will get me out of the cot or maybe into mum and dad's bed or wherever it is they might be hoping to go. So definitely just choosing one approach and just gently persisting with that. Yeah, like Laura said, break it up with some cuddles and things along the way. Um, once they're used to that um, bit of support to get back to sleep in the cot, it's pretty easy then to just phase out the padding, do it a bit more gently, you know, gradually start to move out of their sleep space until they're managing that whole process on their own. And what about sleep deprivation? I think all parents at some point get mm. sleep deprivation. You know, there are some lucky ones, but even in those first few, you know, weeks and moments where they're mm. waking up and going back to sleep, how do your parents deal with this sleep deprivation? Any tips? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? You know, like I, my first in instinct is to say draw on family and friends for support, but then there are so many parents that don't have that sort of support network around them. And I think you can only really um, do your best. I think definitely making sure both parents are really engaged parents, you know, that they're equally responsible for interrupted nights, even if one parent is going to work during the daytime, um, the other parent is raising a little person. Yeah. And that's really, really important work as well. So, so often we um, play place a bit more value on um, the parent's work who's in that paid employment, but we have to make sure both parents are well rested and well supported. So say definitely really in the early days have that discussion, how are we going to manage this, um, the juggle of parenthood so that we neither parent, you know, burns out. Mm, yeah, so it might look like splitting the night into shifts. Um, so um, the mum might do the settling up until midnight, for example, and then the dad or the other parent might take over after then. Um, and uh, or the mum may just do the settles that involved a breastfeeder. She's a breastfeeding parent, um, and mm. the other parent do the other settles, just so that both parents have their sleep protected. Um, of course, yeah, like Fallon was saying, that's not always the case. You don't have somebody else to rely upon. Um, so, I mean, there's that adage, sleep when the baby sleeps. I know it can, it's a little bit ick sometimes <laughs> um, because it can be so hard um, yes. to think, think about um, those household chores that you really feel need to be done whilst the baby is um, napping. Really just give some solid thought to do they actually need to be done yeah. because even if you can just sit down for five or ten minutes and have a little micro sleep on the couch whilst your baby mm. is sleeping and just leave those dishes that's yeah. really important because it's really you need to be functioning well to be able to be 
being the best parent for your little baby and sleep mm-hmm. deprivation can impede your ability to be the best parent. So getting your rest takes priority over anything else. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say when it comes to like the household task, worry about keeping things clean, but don't worry about mess. Who cares if it's messy? It just doesn't really matter. Just worry about what needs to be clean Um, and say no to things. You know, there might be all sorts of social things happening. Maybe you've been invited. If you're exhausted and you don't really want to go, just don't. You know, you can prioritise you and your own family and that's okay. Yeah, and reach out for help. I think, you know, if you're really tired, come to you guys who are the experts and get some sleep help, I think. A huge thanks to Mistella for sponsoring this episode. When we become parents, we welcome any tips and tricks that can make our lives easier. Mistella's specific care range includes products for your child's specific needs, like Mistella's massage oil with 99% natural ingredients. Perfect for a baby massage to soothe, moisturise and help calm and prepare your baby for sleep. Mistella is our family's favourite. A huge thank you, you guys, for coming on the program today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to the Expert Guide to Parenthood podcast. And never forget, parents, you've you've got got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents You've Got This take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. Join a Parents You've Got This masterclass today to be prepared, excited and educated for pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. Visit www.parentsyou'vegotthis.com.au and sign up for a masterclass today.